0: I was a kid growing up in jersey uh anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something uh, we'd call him a riot ladies and gents uh this guy's a riot in more ways than one bob dillard i came to the place where the lone pilgrim lay and patiently stood by his tomb when in a low whisper i heard something say how sweetly i sleep here alone this is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan One Song at a Time, Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly. And this week, um, we're kind of changing up the format a little bit. We're not talking about one song. We're gonna be talking about two songs, neither one of which were written by Bob Dylan. We're gonna be covering Broke Down Engine and Lone Pilgrim from the 1993 acoustic all-covers record, World Gone Wrong. And joining me to talk about this really fantastic album is fellow Bobcat, Michael Walter. Hi, Michael.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. Huge fan. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's great to have you on the show. And I am very, very
0: excited to talk about this record. I think, I should have done some research before I start the show, but I don't sometimes. I think this is the last studio album of Bob Dylan uh, that we have not gone to on the show covered at least one song from every album that I can think of maybe Dylan, uh, which almost doesn't even count because he didn't actually release that record. Uh, But in terms of, you know, Bob Dylan product, as I hate putting those words in those in that order, but nevertheless, in terms of Bob Dylan studio albums. I think this is the last one, which is a shame because as I said, I love world gone wrong and we will talk about it uh, shortly. But of course, Michael, you're new to the show. So I have to ask you, how did you become a fan of Bob? Wow.
1: Um, well, it started when I was maybe fourteen, fifteen. I kind of—I think I remember seeing him in a history book. That was the first time. <laughs> that was the first time I saw him. It was like talking about, you know, protest music, I guess, and, and that and that kind of stuck with me. I was already a pretty big music nerd at that point, but I hadn't quite uh, gotten to Dylan yet. Um, and and it, at that point, I learned all the hits, and you know, I was a pretty maybe a—that was kind of phase one of the obsession, and then. Uh, mm-hmm. I'd say about by 2000, 2001, I kind of got full on obsessed and it was kind of off to the races from there. I think maybe the most fun I've ever had as just a, you know, a music fan was, was the few years, you know, pre Spotify when I was getting super obsessed into his music and you, you know, you'd go to the UCD store or, you know, like a Barnes and Noble or whatever. and just, he had no idea what all these albums were and learning about everything. It was so fun.
0: Yeah. I mean, so did you do, uh, I mean, this is your, so you. so you gave us the, the sort of timeline of when this was. Um, so you were able to do internet research if you had wanted to, did you do any of that? Or as you said, when you were buying the records, did you have no idea what order things came in. Cause that's how I did it. I, other than some big idea, <laughs> yeah. like, I knew that, I knew that like freewheeling was older because of the songs on it. But like, right. I was like highway 61, where, where is that in the time? I had no idea.
1: I did a little bit. I've always loved that, uh, you know, all music that, that resource online. I'm sure I was on there a lot, but I probably didn't have the internet at my house when this started. So it may have been a little more just kind of winging it as I went. And I, and I remember actually going to the library, uh, and getting time out of mind. This was probably like 98, 99 and, and, and not liking it at all at first, oh, just, no. you know, when you don't expect, you know, when love sick comes on and you're expecting, uh, you know the voice that you know from Greatest Hits mm-hmm. Volume One or whatever, but uh, you know now I, I love it all. And, you know, World Gone Wrong is definitely one of my favorites.
0: So when did when did you get to uh, when did you get to World Gone Wrong? Because I mean, did you know going in that that it was going to be a covers record, or did you just buy it sort of you know sight unseen? I,
1: yeah, I'm sure it was one of the last ones I got to, but I don't think I knew it was all covers. I just knew that it was from this period that you know was supposed, you know, quote unquote, was, was supposed to be kind of a rough period for him. And mm. now looking back I man, the early 90s are one of my absolute favorite eras of, of listening to him. And it's it's kind of funny to think at a time that's that's how I looked at it. But yeah, probably yeah. at the time I didn't exactly know. Yeah, I mean,
0: we could uh, we should all have such rough periods. Uh, right. right. That when you release two really great acoustic covers albums. You know, like, wow, that's your rough period. You're like, wow, okay. That's what kind of context are we talking about here. So have you seen him live?
1: I have. I've seen him. I, I was doing the math earlier. I think I'm at nineteen times. So nice. I, think I, I think I got one more. Um I, I saw him a ton like from two thousand three to two thousand seven or eight. It was just a ton. He just happened to be touring where I was often mm-hmm. um I kind of racked up a lot around that time and I saw him You know, I guess, you know, 2019 was the last time I saw him on that tour that, you know, it was as great as everyone says. Um, Best time was I I got to see him three nights in a row. He played St. Louis, uh, the pageant in St. Louis. He played it three straight nights. And I took a different person each night.
0: Oh, that's marvelous.
1: Yeah, it was fun. And I got to. I was, you know, by, by the second time I knew, I knew kind of the deal that, you know, he was going to be at his keyboard off to the side. So I ended up kind of being front row just cause everyone, when I got there was, you know, the, the middle was full, but I got to kind of slide in there. So that was okay. A great moment.
0: Now, did you, now I've never done that. I've never seen him uh, three nights in a row. Like the closest, I think I saw him twice in 97, like about a couple of days apart, but seeing yeah. him three nights in a row like that, I mean, obviously, a lot of the set list is the same. Did you feel like you gained something from having seen it in that context? Did you notice things you might not have noticed otherwise?
1: Yeah, and you know, this was, I want to say this was uh, 2005, I think, um, maybe 2004, but he was still changing it up enough that I bet I saw you know, four or five, maybe six different songs mm-hmm. uh, from one set to the next. And yeah, I, I, I loved every second. Um, Just even, even if I kind of thought I knew what song was coming up next, you know, if if you're not watching him, you're watching the band or you're kind of, you know, sometimes I just kind of take in the joy around me, you know, just all these people singing along to like Rolling Stone at the end. Mm. It's just, it's always so fun.
0: What was your record for the three guests you brought? Were you over three, one for three, two for three? Did they all like
1: it? <laughs> everyone liked it. Yeah, I've I've taken a ton of different people. I've taken I've taken my dad to a show. I've taken my mom, uh, fiance. I've taken you know friends, friends of friends. I've gone by myself a few. And I I think everyone you know I kind of try to warn everyone a little bit, just like you know just <laughs> just to kind of let them know what they're in for because you know there's that kind of stereotypical critique of uh, you know his current era and everything. So I just kind of give up, but yeah, everyone's had a good time. That's great. That's that's
0: fantastic. That's that's you. That really is a lot of uh, concerts in a relatively short period of time. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's a, that's a really good uh, number for uh, just the last, just basically just 21st century.
1: Yeah. The first one was Oh three. So I've I've been able to fit quite a few. into.
0: very good. All right. right. That's fantastic. Yeah. So, all right. So let's talk about these two songs that we're going to talk about world gone wrong. World Got Wrong is sort of unique in the Dylan canon, in that it is really the the first record I can think of where he was almost expressly saying, "Here's more of the same." You know, <laughs> right. here's more of what you got last time. And of course, ni- last time meant 1992's "Good as I've Been to You," and I we did an episode uh, with uh, we did two songs uh, from that record, and I love that record. I mean, I think that's a great record. But it's like anything else, things change uh, depending on your context. I remember when that record came out, I thought it was great. You know, I, I really liked the intimate sound of it, uh, even though Bob is probably at his most mumbly uh, on, the, on that record. Uh, right. I remember I actually went to, uh, in my frequent trips to New York City, I went to uh, the Colony Music Store uh, on, the, I think it's 8th Avenue, and I bought the music books. Because this is pre-internet and I couldn't get the lyrics any other way. Yeah. I, w- I was so determined to learn the lyrics to these songs because uh, some of those songs, he's really, kind of like <laughs> you know, you're like, what is he saying? So I went and bought the, the song book, even though I don't play music. Uh, I just wanted the words to good as I've been to you. Then a year later, he puts out uh world, almost exactly a year later. Um, he puts out world gone wrong. And as much as I liked good as I've been to you, I think world gone wrong is in some ways, a whole other level. I think side two, in particular, of World Gone Wrong, which is uh, uh, Delia, Stackley, um, Lone Pilgrim, Jack and The Two Soldiers, is one of his finest album sides in his entire career. I think all five of those songs are fantastic. And some of them, I think, are straight-up interpretive masterpieces.
1: Yeah. So I
0: just think World Gone Wrong is an absolutely marvelous record. What was your... What was your first impression of it when you played it for the first time?
1: I have always liked it a bit more than get as I've been to you. And I had wondered if it was kind of whichever one you hear first, you like mm-hmm. more, you know, uh, obviously with you, that wasn't the case, but I kind of wondered because some people seem so devoted to one, you know, and then you get people who are are more into the other, but yeah, man, I love it. Uh, between those two albums. I think, you know, probably four or five of the best songs are on world gone wrong. I, I absolutely love it. It's, the songs I love on this album, including the two we're about to talk, you know, we're talking about now are among really my favorite, my favorite Dylan songs, period. And they're my favorite deep cuts. You know, if you're kind of making a mix and you kind of want to throw in something that these are some of my favorite songs to throw in for people who, you know, maybe they know some of the hits, but they don't, they don't know all the deeper stuff.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think the reason I like World Gone Wrong more is that it feels more focused. I feel like that the material, the sources that he is pulling from, are more, um, they're, they're more, they're just more f- cohesive as opposed to Good As I've Been To You where I feel like it's kind of all over the place. Right. You know what I mean? He's got, on uh, Good As I've Been To You, you know, he's got Blackjack Davy, Frankie and Johnny, and then he's got, you know, Tomorrow Night and then Froggy went a Not <laughs> right. Again, I love all that stuff, but yeah. it just feels more scattershot. This one feels, maybe because it's only 10 songs as opposed to the, uh, I think it's 12 or 13 on, on Good As I've Been To You. It just feels... I know, just tighter. Like the themes are more rich because they're sort of uh, similar. There's a lot of death on this record. A lot of death. A lot. I mean, obviously, a lot of heartbreak, but a lot of, lot of death. A lot of murder. A lot of disease. You know, it's not. And you go by that uh, incredibly grim album cover art that he's got, which was, as we know now, photographed when he uh, did the video for "Blood in My Eyes," with uh, directed by Dave Stewart. But I mean, it's in that weird. Uh, top hat thing and then there's this sort of grim painting behind him and it just yeah. uh, you know and the, the the topography is very minimal so it gives this thing and of course the title itself world gone wrong uh suggests kind of a you know sort of a dark view but man i list when i got this i got this on cassette when it came out that's how old i am <laughs> i listened to this thing because i was talking about that it was sides you know there's no there's not even sides anymore what yeah. are sides right but, man <laughs> I listened to this thing over and over. And again, I went out and bought the songbook so I could learn the words to these That's songs. Great. So um, let's talk about the uh, broke down engine. Uh, this is a blind Willie McTell song, which of course, Bob Dylan, very familiar with blind Willie McTell yeah. on the website. Uh, he it's lit. It's listed as written by Bob Dylan uh, as an arrangement. I can never, I don't really understand how that works, how he can get a written by credit for an arrangement when he didn't write the words. Like I would think it would say written by Blind William McTell and Bob Dylan or with Bob. You know what I mean? It seems weird yeah. that, that blind William McTell is completely not mentioned. Now, of course, he gives credit to Blind William McTell in the liner notes. The um, incredible is, liner notes. These yeah. incredibly crazy sixties esque liner notes. And we're gonna talk about those too, because they're really fun. Okay. Um, yeah. But but man, I mean, so so why 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 broke down engine? why do you want to talk about that?
1: You know, I've always just absolutely loved the song. I kind of, I've always kind of been obsessed with these songs that seem to kind of hint at what, you know, all the Jack Frost stuff was going to be, you know, was going to become um, different songs that kind of feel like maybe a little sneak peek of, of Love and Theft in a way, um, whether it's Broke Down Engine or, you know, even Had a Dream About You Baby. I've, I, I kind of think sometimes has a little mm. bit of that, a little bit of that to it, but just, man, his arrangement on this, guitar playing is unreal um uh, i love him rapping on his guitar you know i love i love all that stuff and and you know when he when he belts out lordy lord you know that yeah. that, that whole thing that is one of my favorite yeah that is one of my favorite like little 10 second burst of the man's entire catalog i just <laughs> i i'm always grinning you know when he does that it would make a great ringtone uh I, <laughs> I, I've just, it, it's just, it's just so strong. I got to write I, that
0: down. That's a great idea. I got to write that down. That's <laughs> right, a terrific yeah. idea.
1: But I mean, the whole album, you know, we've talked about, but this one just has always stood out to me. Um, it's just so raw. And like I said, it just kind of has some love and theft to it. I think kind of a sneak peek of uh, where, where he was headed. And I just love picturing him, you know, sitting down. I, I don't know if he recorded these like in his garage uh, studio at the time. Yeah, he did but, Yeah. He did. Yeah. I just, I just picture him, you know, in front of that mic with his guitar and, and, you know, producing it himself. So kind of running the show. And it's just, I don't know. It's just, it's such a wild song, such a wild trip. It's, it's always been one of my favorites. I love in the lyrics it opens with feel like a
0: broke down engine ain't got no driving wheel. And then he repeats that because it's the sort of the blues format. You've been all, you've been all been down and lonesome. You notice how a poor man feels been shooting craps and gambling mama. And I done got broke. I done pawned my pistol, baby. My best clothes have been sold. And then I love it says, Lordy, Lord, Lord, Lordy, Lord, Lordy, Lord, Lordy, Lord, Lordy, Lord. <laughs> very specific, not Lordy. You know, it could just be Lordy, Lordy, repeat, et cetera. You no know, right? it's Lordy, <laughs> Lord, Lord, like, very specific. I love that. Yeah. And it is, it is a, even though it is a grim song, because it's a guy talking about his, his woman having done him wrong, and he's broke, and he's, you know, he's down on his bended knee. That's a, that's a, I feel like that's a, a lyrical construction Bob loves to use, bended knee. He talks yes. about that a lot. In fact, just a couple episodes ago on Cold Irons Bound, he talks about I'm on my bended knee. He talks yeah, there you go. There, but he loves that. But it's it's I'm, I'm on my praying ground. If you give me back my baby, I won't worry you no more. Give me back my baby, I won't worry you no more. Don't have to put her in my house, Lordy. Just lead her to my door. And so again, it's this guy who's praying to God for his woman to bring him back to him. But the and the performance of it though is, as you say, it's so energetic and so extraordinary and the whole again the whole lordy lord is fun it's a it's fun great. performance even though the song is again so grim
1: and and when you listen to the blind willie mctell version it doesn't it's you know it's a different arrangement he doesn't sing it like that it's no it's, it's definitely eight yeah it's it's definitely dylan doing his own thing with it and and I love the aspect of, like you were saying, him praying, but it's a little threatening, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just a little bit, do this for me and I won't worry you no more. It's just like, it's, it's, it's just a great, I love hearing Dylan sing those lines. It's, it's, it's so much fun. It's always a little threatening in
0: Dylan songs. You That's know? true. Yeah. There's always a little bit of that. It's always a, a little bit of that kind of stuff. Right, now, right. surprisingly, uh, or maybe not surprisingly, this song has been played zero times in concert. Yeah. Uh, You would think that, I don't know, some of these songs, I mean, he certainly gave the Sinatra songs a workout in concert, but none of these, really, hardly any of these songs ever got much of a tryout, either from World Gone Wrong or Good as I've Been to You. Uh, In fact, I I will say the first time I ever saw Bob Dylan live, uh, a first actual Bob Dylan concert, he did um, You're Gonna Quit Me. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah, which was rare. And it was like an up tempo version. And I remember being so excited. I was like, oh, wow, he's doing one of those, you know, he's doing one of those songs. But no, this is a song that he's not played. And it's kind of interesting is that he talks about in the liner and it's how much he loves these songs. And yet this is not something you've ever heard him uh, do before. And you've not really heard him do since. And you kind of wonder, are these songs that he, I mean, I'm sure he loves them. I'm sure he's not lying. But at the same time, it's kind of curious that he wouldn't give it kind of like a workout or something in any sort of live context. And so you wonder, like, is kind of like what he was doing for Good As I've Been To You, is it almost like doing, I don't know, almost like a public service? Like, okay, everybody, I'm going to introduce you to these songs that a lot of you probably don't know. Right. You know, and I wonder if that's almost more of his goal than it is, oh, this is a song that I've loved my whole life. But here, because, I mean, I've certainly I certainly never heard of the song before this. And now, Now I know what it is. And now
1: you know. Yeah, same. And... Yeah. He played a couple of these songs during the supper club shows, right? Like I, I think maybe blood yeah. in my eyes shows up during there. So, so it was there, you know, he could have, but for whatever reason, and and especially what was it like 99, 2000 around then, when he was opening a lot of shows with these old songs, it, it's yep. kind of surprising. He didn't go to those, you know, for those, for those kind of opening songs with that band before he, uh, you know, before the rest of the set got going, but yeah, for whatever reason, he's kind of, kept him quiet. I, I don't know. I don't know what's behind that. That is interesting.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, my, my, my conceit that he was doing this as kind of almost like a public service is not my own. I remember I, and I mentioned this in the good as I've been to you episode, there was a review in entertainment weekly of good as I've been to you that I thought was one of the most, um, perceptive, uh, and warm hearted reviews that Dylan ever got where someone, the, the reviewer I'm forgetting his name at the time at this moment, but said something like, "You know, here is a guy. Here is this mega superstar um, handing down songs that have been passed from generation to generation, and here he is doing it. He's doing it right now, yeah. and he's doing it without, uh, as he put it, uh, without ceremony or superstar ego." And I, I really like that idea that he is again presenting. And someone pointed out again in another review, I think of all got wrong. They said, "You know, yeah." these records are going to be probably the least selling Bob Dylan records uh, in a given time frame. But you look at it the other way. They are most certainly going to be the best selling folk records in probably 20 years.
1: There you go. And I was yeah. like,
0: yeah. You know, I mean, a lot of people are going to learn these songs from these records. And in the liner notes, this is what Bob says about Broke Down Engine. By the way, I find it interesting that the liner notes don't go in the order that they're on the album. Same.
1: Yeah. I was thinking that I'm, I'm staring at him too. And I was having the same thought.
0: Yeah. Like did, did Bob change the lineup or didn't it matter? But he says broke down engine is a blind Willie McTell masterpiece. It's about trains, mystery on the rails, the train of love, the train that carried my girl from town, the Southern Pacific, Baltimore and Ohio, whatever. It's about variations of human longing, the low hum and meter and syllables. It's about dupes of commerce and politics, colliding on tracks not being pushed around by ordinary standards. It's about revival, getting a new lease on life, not just posing there. Paint chipped and flaked, mattress bare, single bulb swinging above the bed. It's about ambiguity, the fortunes of the privileged elite, flood control, watching the red dawn and not bothering to dress. It, that's all very beautiful. I have no
1: idea what he's talking about. I know. It's it's great, though. I love I love reading it. Ambi- ambiguity, uh, capitalized. Capitalized, yeah. Yep. yeah. I noticed that, yeah.
0: Bob, Bob has a side career in writing pulp novels.
1: Yeah. If he ever wanted to. You know, and, I, it's, and, and another reading of, of the song could just kind of be simply about a guy who can't get it up, right? Like isn't that kind <laughs> of kind of at the most kind of, you know, basic level of reading reading some of this. So so I love, you know, Dylan taking almost an entire page of these liner notes to just kind of, you know, bathe it in praise. It's just his way of words is so great.
0: How have I never thought about that to this moment that that's <laughs> what it could be about? But yes, a broke down engine. Sure. It could suggest a uh, performance problem. Absolutely. So, wow. Okay. That's, that's sad. So, yeah. And then that's the, uh, I believe that's the, it closes side one, right? I believe. Yeah. I think it yeah. does. I think it, again, I don't have my, I don't have any of my cassettes anymore. I got rid of them. I have the CDs, <laughs> but I don't, I think it closes outside one. So again, it's a really, it's a really solid performance. And of course, again, it's blind, Willie McTowell. I mean, that's the whole history of Bob Dylan is wrapped up in that. So then the other song that we're going to talk about is Closes Side 2, which is Lone Pilgrim. And I have said this, you know, uh, across other episodes about when I think, you know, it's to me, it's hard to rate Bob Dylan's final songs on records because a lot of them are really good. He really knows how to close out an album, you know, whether it's Desolation Row
1: or Tonight I'll Be Staying Here With You or you know uh, even even an album that's not that good you know he'll he'll throw a great song at the end so yeah like what are you referring to well i guess not that you know um, you know compared to some of his others but like Hmm. even empire burlesque has dark eyes at the end dark eyes yeah uh right i mean where are you tonight journey
0: through dark heat i mean he really knows how to 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 close things out and uh not even to mention murder most foul but this this simple little song Lone Pilgrim, uh, which is credited to Benjamin Franklin White and Adger Pace. Although Bob uh, says it's the Doc, he calls it a Doc Watson record, but he says it's from an old Doc Watson record. So that means Doc Watson just simply covered it. Um, I'm not exactly sure of when this song was written. Benjamin Franklin White lived from 1800 to 1879. So it was somewhere in that range there. But I mean, this song, uh, I mean, I find this performance of this song to be it almost brings me to tears i think it is so beautiful and the the way bob's hushed vocal um and it makes he sings it like it's a prayer which of course it sort of is yeah Uh, i mentioned i i i I quoted the initial um verse and then he goes on with uh, the tempest may howl and the loud thunder roar and gathering storms may arise but calm is my feeling at rest is my soul The tears are all wiped from my eyes. The call of my master compelled me from home. No kindred or relative nigh. I met the contagion and sank to the tomb. My soul flew to mansions on high. And then he wraps it up with, go tell my companion and children most dear to weep not for me. Now I'm gone. The same hand that led me through seas most severe has kindly assisted me home. And the Doc Watson version, I went and listened to it. Uh, on YouTube has an extra verse. The song keeps going uh, after that, and there 's an extra verse, which is and there is a crown that does glitter and shine that I shall forevermore wear, oh turn to the Saviour who 's love all divine, and ye who would who would dwell with me there. I love the fact that Dylan cut the last verse. Uh, I actually think the song ends perfectly with the way he sings has kindly assisted me home. It is one of the, even though you got a guy talking about dying of a contagion, which, you know, ahead of the curve there, Bob. Right. (laughs) uh, uh, I mean, it's it's really
1: one of the most calming songs about death imaginable. We'll never know, but I'd love to know if he planned to cut that verse or if just in the moment, you know what I mean? If he Mm. was just, because since it's the last one, you know, you could, technically he could have planned on, you know, doing all of it and then just deciding that that was a perfect time to stop. But I, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I've always loved the song and and that little guitar part, you know, the guitar on this and "Good as I've been to you is so good throughout. And I love that little intro to Lone Pilgrim. I didn't hear anything like that on any other version of the song. In fact, uh, one of the Doc Watson versions I heard is there is no guitar. It's just acapella. So
0: yeah, I think that's the one I heard. Yeah. Yeah.
1: There is another one that has some guitar, but it's, it's nothing like this. It's so I love that even though, you know, these aren't necessarily original Dylan songs, he, you know, to be fair, he is doing something with the arrangements that, you know, he's really putting his best foot forward there.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, 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 the Doc Watson version I thought was, was perfectly fine, I don't mean to damn dam it with faint praise, but th- to me, this Dylan version is just, again, like a whole other level. I just find this to be so beautiful and so, again, so comforting and so um, warm-hearted, even though it is talking about somebody, not just, somebody has passed yeah. onto, onto into the great beyond, and just this, this the, the, the vocal he gives it, and it's, it's so funny when you compare it to broke down engine, which is like the most ragged, you know, kind of him la de la, like he's, you know, he's really. And then this one, you feel like he is right on top of the microphone, doing this marvelous kind of hushed and just you know gathering. And the, it's almost like he whispers him where he's like, Gah. "I hate to sing. I'm sorry, everybody can't do it." But it's just the just how sweetly I sleep here alone. The tempest may howl, and then and he goes then the loud thunder roar like he in the way he yeah. breaks up the it really is like a like a child's prayer uh even though it's something so dark and i just i i heard well i remember the first time i heard it and i just thought man this is this guy man this guy you know he just finds a way to do it and i did, again even though the song is so grim it, it's probably the one i listen to the most off of this record because i just think the vocal is just so beautiful
1: Yeah. I, it kind of reminds me, it's almost like a weird, uh, a sequel in a way to when he returns, you know, from, from slow train. Just, just that album closing song where his vocal is the highlight and it's just, you can hear, you know, the sincerity and and the emotion in his voice. And uh, yeah, it's probably the one, you know, as much as I do love broke down engine, I, I might be the same with you where this is the one I've actually listened to the most, especially, you know, in the last few years where, so much more listening is like me throwing a Spotify playlist together, you know, mm-hmm. and it'll be like 10 random songs. I haven't heard in a while. This one, even though I have heard it lately, I still, I tend to throw it in there.
0: Mm-hmm. Now I, I, you know, if it won't be heard, he recorded good as i to you and this record in his garage, uh, basically either by himself, uh, the, the, the cred, there is someone, uh, Mikaja or Micaja, uh, or Makaya. I'm sure I know how to pronounce that is given credit. Micah, Micah, Ryan is, yeah. is credited as recorded and mixed. So there had to be somebody on the other side of the glass uh, right. doing this. But um, I'm kind of curious that, uh, you know, supposedly he banged these out pretty quickly. You have to assume though, uh, across 25 songs, if you count like the 12 or 13 on the first record and then 10 here. And then there, of course there were some outtakes from this record that ended up being used in different, there was a three, three, two, 20 blues, and um, you belong to me, which ended up on the uh, Natural Born Killer soundtrack. So you're talking 25 songs. You have to figure there are a couple of outtakes. You know there have to be some yeah. alternate versions. And yet these records so far have remained completely untouched by the bootleg
1: series. I, I would love to hear one on these. And I, I, I feel like you know when they announced this Infidel sets that coming out. You know didn't they kind of somewhere didn't it say this might be one of the last official bootleg series. I don't know if that was. Oh, did it, did they say that? So, I hope not so, something about, yeah. Like, and I don't, I don't know exactly what that meant, but man, I I'd love to get a bootleg series on, on this era. And you know, just to get a, you belong to me. That doesn't have uh Juliet Lewis talking about. Yeah. It, right. Or, yeah. The dialogue. <laughs> over the end yeah. And, and that song too, man. Ugh. It's, it's, oh man. It's, oh man. I, I remember,
0: too. I remember I saw natural born killers in the theater and I did not know that was coming. And I'm sitting there while, and I enjoyed that movie, but it's a, it's a grim ride. And I'm sitting there, it's it's a lot. And then I'm watching it. Oh, Ronnie Dangerfield's a child molester. Great. Uh, and I'm, you know, and I'm watching that all of a sudden, I think it took about two syllables. Right. I hear that voice and I was like, I'm like a dog seeing a squirrel. I'm like, what? Uh Oh my God. You know, and then all of a sudden I'm not paying attention to the movie anymore because I'm like, I'm hearing new Bob Dylan. Oh my God. You know, and all I could think about was, I guess I'm buying the soundtrack. To this yeah. record, which in the, yeah. those days you had to buy some direct just to get the one song you like, but um, but yeah, it's kind of amazing that there must be some alternate versions of these. Now, maybe there, maybe that's even by Sony standards, that's just too obscure. But I mean, man, I would love to, you know, maybe do a bootleg series of something and throw this in on one disc of just the outtakes, the alternate. Ver- I would love to hear as much as I love this Lone Pilgrim. I would love to hear if he tried it a different way.
1: We're, I, I feel like we, they could put together, you know, a hell of a bootleg series that, you know, maybe maybe they include a supper a supper club show on there and just kind of mm. cover this kind of early '90s. I don't know what you want to call it—the kind of pre time out of mind um, era. But you know, yep. this stuff—you um, gotta assume eventually they'll release that entire MTV unplugged because that's that's one of my favorite bootlegs. That's a great bootleg, that's, yeah, a him doing a. I want you on there. That's maybe my favorite version of "I Want You." Uh, yeah, there's yeah. great stuff
0: on there. Great, great stuff on there. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they they haven't really excavated uh, that that era yet. Um, regarding uh, "Lone Pilgrim," two couple things I wanted to mention about it. Um, there was a an article uh, coinciding for Dylan's 80th birthday. Stereo Gum uh, ran an article where they asked 80 musicians to name their favorite Dylan song, and Tim Showalter from Strand of Oaks selected "Lone Pilgrim." And he said, I must have, quote, I must have checked out World Gone Wrong from the Goshen Public Library a hundred times. Lone Pilgrim <laughs> was the last track on the album, and I believe it was the first full song I ever learned on guitar. I still use the structure to this day. It was such a weird and organic way to open the door to musical discovery, but I am so thankful for that. Uh, what a wonderful quote. You know, what yeah. a marvelous quote to, for another musician to hear that and 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 take it and, and run with it, especially, again, such a grim Short little song. Now, the liner notes. <laughs> this features uh, one of, again, you know, this is a guy who's full of great lines, features one of the great Dylan lines of all time in these liner notes for Lone Pilgrim. He says, Lone Pilgrim is from an old Doc Watson record. What attracts me to the song is how the lunacy of trying to fool the self is set aside at some given point. Salvation and the needs of mankind are prominent, and hege- hegemony takes a breathing spell my soul flew to mansions on high what's essentially true is virtual reality technology to wipe out truth is now available not everybody can afford it but it's available when the cost comes down look out holy shit uh, i mean you know i mean that's that's as that's as good as look out kid look at all <laughs> yeah. head from subterranean homesick blues right. i mean that line we're living that we're living that line now in 2021, we are living that line. And here it is buried on the liner notes to an all-acoustic collection of folk songs.
1: Unbelievable. Everyone can afford it now. so it's Everyone kinda, can we're, afford we're it now. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I mean, un- again, I don't know what Bob's talking about. The needs of mankind are prominent and hegemony takes a breathing spell. I don't know. I can admit, I don't know what he's talking about. But all I know is when I die, I hope that I am as at peace as the guy in Lone Pilgrim, because I,
1: yeah, I think the whole you know being at peace element it, it seems to be what he's kind of underscoring there. You know, the fact of the lunacy of trying to fool the self is set aside. That kind of seems like he's saying you know accepting your fate, accepting what's happened. Um, I can see and, that, sure. And just hearing him, yeah, these liner notes are just. I, I wish we had more stuff like this from him. It's like you, you just. It's like it's kind of like a little preview of the theme time. Uh, you know, radio shows. Yeah, everything. yes, it is. And he pokes fun at the never-ending Tour on here. I mean, it's just it's such a great document.
0: It's interesting why he felt the need to do this. You know, why he felt the need to whip those out and kind of do a, uh, you know, 11 Outline Epitaphs kind of thing. Yeah. world gone wrong, but he didn't feel the need to do it for Good As I've Been To You. Good As I've Been To You is one of the most, like, minimalist packages a record could have. I mean, it's like the front picture of him and then, like, a picture on the back, which is, like, from the 80s. It's not even a contemporary picture. And then there's, like, a couple of credits, and that's it. I mean, it is, like, the barest minimum the record company could could include a record with, at least for this one. Maybe he wanted to sell it a little more, although I can't imagine Liner Notes would sell copies because, I mean, who cares? You know, I mean, if if you're someone who cares enough about Bob Dylan Liner Notes, you're buying the album already. What's the difference? But he did try and promote this record. Uh, in a change up from good as I've been to you. He actually did make a video, which we mentioned. He did a video for blood in my eyes. I have to say of all the songs to pick to do a video for blood in my eyes seems like a curious choice.
1: Yeah. I would have never guessed that was the, you know, single or whatever you want to call it before, you know, finding that out. Uh, I think maybe I would have guessed even world gone wrong is, you know, maybe it would have been a better choice or
0: yeah. Blood in know. my eyes is like the slowest song. Yeah. Kind of the you know, and it so it seems like a curious choice. And the video is interesting, it's black and white, and him walking around uh big Camden town in in, uh, in in England. Uh again, it was shot by by Dave Stewart. And he did make a TV appearance. He made one of his rare TV appearances, uh, being on the late show with David Letterman. Uh and uh Letterman holds the record, talks about what went wrong. Now, again, curious choice Bob decides to sing Forever Young. <laughs> As opposed to something from World Gone Wrong.
1: Yeah. That is bizarre.
0: I'm I'm really sort of flummoxed by that. I ended up uh in around that time I, I got a um I went to the Letterman show a lot. I got tickets for it all. I kept sending in tickets and I would get it. Oh wow. and I managed to go to see Letterman I think I missed Dylan's appearance by like a week uh, and I, w- I it was after it was, it was after it had already happened. Yeah. And I was so frustrated. Cause like, Oh man, if I'd gotten it a week, you know, a week earlier. And so, and I could remember waiting in line, uh, for, you had to wait a really long time. because It was uh, first come first serve in terms of the seats. And I remembered walking by one of his assistants that I remembered I'd seen on the show. And I, um, well, that actually—that was the That was the, sh- that, was the, the episode, that was the Letterman I went to, where I was waiting in line, and I mentioned—I happened to mention to the person I was with—that I was uh, upset that I was missing Bob Dylan by a week, and the guy behind me was a Dylan fan, and he was also drunk, and uh, he decided to uh, try and stump me by singing Dylan songs to me and, and daring me to guess which song he was singing, as if okay. I was somehow not enough of a fan. Right. And I I tried not to humor him too much, but he was right behind me and he was drunk. So uh, yeah, there was that. Um But uh, but nevertheless, but <laughs> it's Bob's version of Forever Young is great. I love it. But it seems strange to be pushing World Gone Wrong and then sing a song that you know was one of his hits.
1: Yeah, especially Forever Young. Yeah, yeah. It's just such an odd, such a very appropriate choice, though. Still, yeah. Just- it's still good, though. I mean, again, anytime, yeah.
0: anytime Bob makes an appearance uh, on TV, I'm, I'm happy with it. So, yeah, I mean, we're wrong. I mean, it's just like, think, I think it's just a, a fantastic record. And I would have been happy if he kept doing these. Sure. You yeah. know, I, I would have been perfectly happy if he had said, you know what? I'm just going to crank these out because this is what I'm into. Uh, that's seemingly what was going on with Sinatra. Uh, but now we see, we see see we see the pattern now where he kind of goes away and does covers records for a little while which seems to kind of, like, regenerate his his songwriting juices, yeah. and then he comes back. You know, he kind of did Self-Portrait, which was mostly covers, and he kind of laid low, low for a while, and then he came back with, you know, the, obviously the soundtrack to Pat and, and the Kid, Pat Garrett and Billy the Kid, then bang, Planet Waves, bang, Blood on the Tracks, bang, Desire, I mean, boom, 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 boom. And then what followed, you know, a couple of years later, what followed these records? Time Out of Mind, right. Love and Theft, Modern Times, and then we had the Sinatra records. And what follows up with that? Rough and rowdy ways, which like everyone loves. Yeah. So we see this as a pattern that he likes doing, but
1: but again, I think this of all of his coverage records, this one is still my favorite. Yeah, I agree with that. And and you know, like albums like this are what a lot of his peers did for a majority of the second half of their careers. You know, like if you look at like a Willie Nelson or Johnny Cash, um, a ton of their albums and a lot of you know, uh, Willie Nelson kind of had a bit of a comeback uh you know after all the irs stuff in the 90s he put out some albums and they were mostly it was, it was mostly covers one or two originals and he would even throw in some older songs of his own you know which obviously it's hard to imagine dylan doing that but it, it just kind of reminds me of what some of those you know some of his peers from from the country world were doing at the same time and and it it served him well it uh, it did the trick whatever whether it's he just wasn't feeling creative at that point or he had to recharge or whatever it is, yes, it, it did the trick. Yeah, it said
0: it brought it. I mean, did the MTV and to concert, and then he came back with Time Out of Mind. And yeah, you could see, especially in the Jack Frost records, like kind of what I don't want to say learned. It's not like he didn't know this stuff already, but you could see, as you talk about, you could see the, the seeds of this stuff growing into the trees that are going to become the songs on love and theft in modern times, these sorts of things. You can sort of see where he's getting this stuff from. So yeah, there it's, it's a, it's just a marvelous, marvelous record. And one I still listen to in its entirety. Uh, you get, even though it's incredibly grim there's a, you know, there's a murder in love. Henry, the only witness is a bird. I mean, there's a lot of, <laughs> you know, kind of amazing stuff on there, but it's just, uh, and I mentioned in the, um, cross the green mountain episode that I did a little while back that like, I think that whole version of that whole song takes nine minutes what two soldiers did in two and a half uh you know i think the yeah. whole the whole feeling of the waste of war the utter you know just complete and utter destruction that it brings to everything that it touches to me that's two soldiers if i'm gonna listen to one of those songs i'm gonna listen to two soldiers over Cross the green mountain as much as i like crossing right. green mountain to me it's like now nah, he gets to it in two soldiers you know he just yeah. gets to it all it's just again just a really really great record and yeah man if you're a musician you could do a lot worse. Again, if this is your bad period, this is your low period. I'll take it.
1: If you're going to put out records of this quality, yeah, the quality of his guitar playing too is just. I I, I always am amazed by listening to this. It's kind of it's a, you know, somehow he is somehow he is still underrated in some ways as a guitarist. You know, not by you know the the obsessed you know people like you and I, but I think you know a lot of people really underrate his guitar playing it. These albums are maybe maybe the best document to really show just how talented how talented he is. Yeah, I mean, I said I don't know. Do you play at all? Uh, I do. Um, you know, amateur level, but but yeah, I do play enough to recognize that this stuff is a whole level harder than you know it could be. He's not just playing the chords. He's 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 playing. You know, he's playing lead on his acoustic on a lot of these. And it's it's great. I, well, okay. Expl- I don't really even know what that
0: means. Explain
1: what that means. Well, I guess you know, he could just be playing the chords where he just lets each chord ring out, you know, mm-hmm. kind of plays almost backing himself up on guitar. But on a lot of these songs, he's playing, you know, he's playing like a lead part, almost like, he's, you know, he's Chuck Perry going in on there and kind of, hmm. you know, he's had, he's, he's moving around and, and doing some things that take, you know, a lot of skill um, stuff that, you know, you have to be, I don't know, you have to have that in you. You can't just you know, it's, it's a lot more than just playing the basic chords behind. Um, like, you know, a lot of songs, you could find out what the chords are and you could just kind of strum your way through, even if you haven't picked up a guitar in a few years. But this is the kind of thing where, you know, to sit and learn, you know, that little Lone Pilgrim intro, that's going to take you a little time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have to focus on that. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's
0: interesting that he really hasn't done that when he's doing his own songs for the most part. Like he's gone, he's gone back to... Kind of the more standard way he's playing, which I guess yeah. is like he figures that's the band's job to do. Like right. you know what I mean? So uh, yeah, this would be again, this would be an amazing thing to see. He used to do uh, mid sets of acoustic numbers. Uh, he would do his own songs. Yeah, but he's it would be interesting to see him in concert and like you know in the middle just break out three of these songs. Just him on a bench <laughs> sitting there. Do I know that he's playing mostly keyboards now? But that would be an amazing thing to see.
1: That's the dream, right? Like I mean. You know, he did that. He played Times They Are a Change in, uh, in the White House that one time. And mm-hmm. God, I must have watched that clip over and over and over mm-hmm. for just watching, you know, just a more intimate performance from him. And, yeah, it'd be great to have more of that stuff. But yeah.
0: Speaking of the dream, uh, this is a perfect time to segue into the question I've been asking everybody uh, at the end of the episode. So, okay, Michael, you're, you've got tickets to see Bob now. In in late 2021, let's say. Let's not even put it off to 2022. Late 2021. Got it. So Bob comes to you and he says, "Michael, what <laughs> song <laughs> after you after you wake up from having right. painted?" Right. right. Uh, he asks you, "Michael, what song do you want to hear me open the concert with?"
1: You know, I over—I I knew this was coming from, from <laughs> being a fan, obviously, and I and I overthought it. And, you know, I, I decided if I was going to have this much power, I, I can't. I got to pick something that I don't think he's ever played before. I want to, I want to, I want to I wanna pick something that, you know, it can be a first time hearing it. And uh, I think I'm going with on a night like this. I think that's what I would ask him to open with. I I love it.
0: Uh, I wanna that's hear, fun. Yeah. That would be great to hear him play that. And plus and it's it, nice,
1: up, nice and up tempo too. It'd be a great opener for the show. Especially, yeah. you know, in, in we're like, all here together. Yeah. Yeah. I I guess, when I was going over the exercise, I was kind of assuming, okay, first two are back, you know, mm-hmm. po- post COVID and all. And uh, yeah, that's, I think that's my final answer. I kind of, I, I had a couple I, I considered, but that, that, that seems right to me. I like it. I like it. Let it burn, 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 <laughs> burn on a night like this. That'd be terrific. Right.
0: That'd be, that's terrific. Right. That'd be yeah. a terrific opener. That's, that's marvelous. So, well, uh, I mean, Michael, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate that. Uh, especially you wanted to talk about world gone wrong. It's again, it's a record. I can't believe we never got to it in 168 previous episodes. Yeah. We haven't gotten to it. I've been waiting for the longest time. And uh, I'm just so happy to talk about that. I'll talk about more songs from this record. I think it's just, it's just terrific. So thank you so much for, for coming on. I
1: really appreciate oh, it. Well, thank you for having me. Like I said, I'm a big fan and uh, it's, it's an honor to, to chat with you and I, and I love this album like you do. So it's kind of, it's nice to, Gush over it with somebody absolutely, so why don't you tell people where they can find you out on the internet? yeah, sure, uh, I am on twitter i don 't use it much. I usually may not use it uh, to lurk but uh, it 's <clears throat> at Mike the Walter uh, if you want to hit me up on there and uh, I actually have a blog that I kind of wanted to promote it's I kind of broke down my other obsession besides Dylan, uh, my primary obsession is Tom Petty, and i I did this. Uh, this blog where I kind of wrote a few paragraphs about my 100 favorite Petty songs and I ranked them and I kind of did a whole thing. Uh, it's done now. I kind of stopped updating it once I was done, but, uh, if anyone wants to read that it's called get lucky sometimes and it's uh get lucky sometimes.wordpress.com.
0: Very cool. Check, check it out everybody. Yeah. A, I Let me ask you about Tom Petty. Like, have you been, Cause there's been like lots of new stuff released post his, his yeah. way unfortunately. So like, have you been the way a lot of people have to had to like kind of reappropriate, not reappropriate, recontextualize? I'm using that term too many times. Bob's work <laughs> from the bootleg series has, have you been discovering things from these petty releases that are kind of making you look at his work in a different way?
1: Yeah, it, it's been nice. Um, I think they've about hit that wildflowers material as much as they can. They've, uh, that they were, they really, you know, they've released a ton of outtakes and stuff and it's all been great. I've loved it all. Um, pe- petty passing away hit me. Unlike any other, you know, celebrity musician, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and I think that's kind of what made me kind of go back into his catalog. So anything new I can take at this point, I'm, ha- I'm happy to hear. And I hope that eventually you know, if we keep getting the bootleg series, I'd love to get one of their tour together and have the full oh, sets great. from both. Yeah. Just, just put the full sets from you know, have Petty's full set, you know, Dylan's full set, just all that stuff. He did a lot of he did a lot of covers on those concerts too. A lot yeah. of fifties did a lot of
0: great fifties covers on those concerts. Yeah, that would. Oh my god, that would be. I mean, whatever. Are we not going to want? You know, right, I mean, the true. Bob fans are like that, you know, We're like, give me the down on the groove. I'll take, it. we'll take anything. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll take, it. We'll take it. So right, right. Well, that's, that's marvelous. Again. So thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. So of course uh, everybody want to find back episodes of the show, go to our website, finewaterpodcast.com. You can subscribe to the show on the various podcatchers of your choice. And if you want to support the fine water podcast network of which pod Dylan is a part, go to patreon.com slash FW podcast. So big thanks to Robert Ward, Steve Cronin, Max Hutzel, Sebastian Krogh, George Doherty and Joaquin Meckel for their support of Pod Dylan. I very much appreciate it. So that's going to do it. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we will see you later. Bye. Well, we're all uh, terribly excited. Our next guest has uh, been in New York doing some very special concerts for the last couple of nights, and we're very thrilled that he could uh, join us in the theater this evening. Uh, this is his newest CD. I'm holding a copy of it here called World Gone Wrong. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the legendary Bob Dylan. Bob!